Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corinne Pettit, and I'm here today with Dr. Amy Powler, a world-renowned pediatric dermatologist and chair of the Department of Dermatology at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine. Dr. Powler is also the director at Northwestern University Skin Disease Research Center and has served on the medical board of the National Psoriasis Foundation. Dr. Powler is the inaugural co-chair of PEDRA, the Pediatric Dermatology Research Alliance, which together with MPF sponsors pediatric psoriasis-focused research grants. We're here today with Dr. Powler to ask about biologic treatments used for youth with psoriatic disease, as well as to hear more about her research efforts. Welcome, Dr. Powler. Your research was key to establishing the FDA approval of biologics for treating youth with psoriatic disease. Can you please explain why the approval of a Tanercept for youth ages 4 through 17 and Ustekinumab for ages 12 and above was an important addition to available treatments for youth with psoriatic disease? I'd be glad to talk about the role of biologics, which I think have revolutionized the care of both adults and children with both psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. For years now, we've had a variety of oral agents to treat the most severely affected children. But these have largely been agents that have associated toxicity. For example, the retinoids or the immunosuppressants like cyclosporin and methotrexate. We now have agents that act more quickly, are more effective, and at least to date seem to be safer than the use of these medications that we've had for the last few decades. Etanercept was the first to be available uh, off-label and now in the last more than a year on-label for treating children four years of age and older. When we did the studies in the mid-2000s, and published uh, the first study in New England Journal of Medicine, we clearly showed that this agent that was injected once a week in children made a huge difference leading to reductions in the POSSE score, which is used to judge severity, of 75% in the majority of children, as opposed to only in about 10% of those who are on the placebo Uh, for this particular study. So clearly showed effectiveness and now have been used widespread, not only in the United States, but of course in a variety of areas where they're approved throughout uh, the world. Uh, More recently, ustekinumab has been approved for 12 years of age and above. And this is part of a chain that included certain TNF inhibitors, adalimumab following Etanercept, but not yet approved here in the United States in children, and then a variety subsequent to the ustekinumab of of, uh, agents that inhibited Th17 pathway, all of these getting potentially more and more effective as they get more and more targeted. But the use of ustekinumab in 12 years of age and above is is really a, a wonderful next step. It's an alternative to the TNF inhibitors. And in the trials, that 75% reduction 
in the posse score, the severity of the psoriasis, is now in the range of about 80% of children. Uh, And in fact, we even see 90% levels of improvement uh, in in a large number of children using the ustekinumab. So we're excited. That's the next step uh, in the parade of, of use of possible biologics for children all of which are now available for adults, but just haven't come yet to the pediatric population. Yeah, it's fantastic and exciting. So under what circumstances would you recommend the use of a biologic for a child or teen? So I think this is always an item for discussion with the parents. Clearly, we don't treat mildly affected children with a systemic agent, no matter what it is. Uh, Even with these newer agents that really appear to have an excellent safety profile, to be honest, We have maybe 20 years of experience at best um, in in any children with etanercept, and that was the first. So um, we think very carefully about when to move to a systemic agent. Uh, We do think about it when we have extensive body surface area involvement. We usually think of a cutoff of at least 10% to be talking about moderate to severe disease. And we also think about the impact on the individual. That may be an impact that may be functional. For example, if there's a lot of hand and foot involvement, or it may be an impact that may be psychosocial, but quite profound. For example, the child that has extensive facial involvement and in other visible areas and is not responding well to therapy. Those are situations where we'll think about going to a systemic agent, whether that's a biologic or whether that's an immunosuppressant or a retinoid. Um, The thing about the choice is that we have to take many things into consideration. It may be that the child has some other medical problems that may dictate which direction we want to go. It may be something as simple as the fact that biologics are much more expensive than any other agent. And if we can't get them, then that's not going to be an option for that particular child. That makes complete sense. So uh, many of our parents express concerns about the side effects associated with the use of biologics. What are some of the more common side effects? Well, honestly, we haven't seen much in the way of side effects with the biologics. Um, The most common is a reaction at the site of the injection. Of course, no child likes an injection, but what we find is just after a few, they get used to it, and the parents get more comfortable with with giving these medications. So that really hasn't been a problem. But we can see inflammation and pain, the reaction at the uh, injection site in a minority of individuals, but still, that's the most common. The other area that we're keeping a close eye on, however, is the possibility of infections. Now, really, any immunosuppressant agent can be associated with an increased risk of infections. We certainly see it with cyclosporine. We certainly see it with methotrexate, for example, as well. However, in particular, we've paid attention to the possibility of developing a form of tuberculosis or tuberculosis-like disorder um, with the TNF inhibitors, and then a wide range of particularly bacterial infections with these various agents. That said, oh my gosh, I can't even think of anybody in my own practice who's ever developed any of these issues on any of the biologics that I've used for psoriasis. So what would you say to a parent that expresses fears of putting their child on a biologic? What I always do is I present the whole story. Um, We talk about how effective these can be and how they can change the lives 
as they have changed the lives of so many of my patients. We also talk about the risks of psoriasis itself because we know that there are issues associated with that and with letting the disease progress. Then we talk about the specific potential risks with each of the potential agents that's available and quite frankly, how many of them are pretty uncommon. Uh, And I think when parents have information about these various options, it makes it easier for us to do shared decision-making in deciding which way to go. And as you know, um, until late 2016, biologics were used off-label to treat youth with psoriatic disease. What now are considered obstacles to prescribing biologics for youth? I think the obstacles are largely access. Um, Biologics are expensive, uh, and especially as we get newer ones, they seem to be getting even more expensive. There are some insurance companies that just will not approve uh, or will not approve until something else is used. So that is the most common deterrent. Obviously, there are parental concerns Uh, about potential risks of any systemic agent, and that includes the biologics, and that's always the discussion that's to be had. There's also the concern about an injection and how difficult that will be or how it might change in uh, interaction with a child, and that's something that also has to be worked out. On the whole, however, uh, we talk about options and sometimes end up going with methotrexate, for example, which in a recent study was the most commonly used Uh, among all of the systemic agents for psoriasis. On the other hand, there are parents who prefer not to be on an immunosuppressant, uh, and particularly an immunosuppressant that can take several months before an effect is seen, as opposed to sometimes even a few weeks with a biologic. And you mentioned the newer biologics. Do you anticipate any of those becoming available for youth with psoriatic disease in the future? Oh, I think over time, um, all of them will be available for children, obviously starting with adolescence and then once safety is determined, uh, moving down to younger age groups. Uh, We already know right now that ixekizumab is in trials. The new um, IL-23-specific inhibitor, guselkumab, is coming to trials. Um, There there is a uh, a newer TNF, sertilizumab, that's also coming to trials in the pediatric age group. Uh, And I've heard of uh, others starting with pretty much every one of them planned in the future. That's great. It's really exciting. So speaking of the future, you recently received a research grant from the National Psoriasis and PEDRA to study the characterization of lipoprotein composition and function. Why is the study of lipoprotein important to youth with psoriatic disease? What's the connection? Well, that study that we did back in 2008 in the New England Journal on etanercept not only showed the value of the biologic etanercept, but also really highlighted the fact that there is an increased association of psoriasis with obesity. In that particular study, in these children, 211 children with moderate to severe disease, uh, 37.5% were obese. Uh, We were involved uh, as the lead center in a subsequent international trial uh, that again showed um, 38% of the children overall with psoriasis were overweight or obese as opposed to about 20% of control children. There have been several other studies in addition clearly positioning obesity as an association 
with psoriasis. Almost all of these children who are overweight or obese have been for at least two years before the onset of the psoriasis and continue to be. We've also done studies where we've looked at signs of metabolic disease, cardiovascular risk factors that one sees on examination, like waist circumference to height ratio, and have shown that this is associated with uh, moderate to severe psoriasis as well. So we know that there are risks. There's soft data out there about uh, other metabolic and cardiovascular risks, like uh, some have shown some increase in lipid levels in the blood or hypertension, but other studies have not. What we really want to ask is, we know without a doubt that psoriasis is a risk factor for the development of cardiovascular disease in adults. About a third of adults have their onset during childhood, and the question is, what is the risk of developing cardiovascular disease in children? And then the next step would be if that risk is elevated, can we lower that risk by being more aggressive early on, especially with systemic therapies that are safe for children in not only improving the psoriasis, but also in lowering the risk of later development of cardiovascular disease. Dr. Winnis Tom teamed with Dr. Neha Mehta at the NIH and presented a study of 44 children with psoriasis and 44 controls in which they looked at lipid function. And in that particular study, they found that there were uh, abnormalities in lipid function of a variety of types that were seen much more commonly in those with uh, psoriasis than in the control healthy children. And in the same population, we weren't seeing increases in lipid levels in the blood, which is our screen for hyperlipidemias, as has been shown in adults. That suggested that this might be an area of further investigation and that these abnormalities in lipid function might be an early indicator of children at risk for cardiovascular disease. This new NPF-funded grant allows us to team with Dr. Mehta from the NIH and examine in a, a larger number of children with psoriasis the difference between control children, those who are on topical medications, and those who are starting systemic medication and follow these children over a year or ideally longer to see if there are abnormalities to begin with, documenting the previous study, whether that can be improved by treatments of different forms. That's amazing and shows the importance of research. Absolutely. And on the topic of research, previously you were conducting research around topically delivered uh, targeted gene suppression. Can you please talk about this unique approach to treatment? It sounds fascinating. Sure. Well, we were really appreciative to get an NPF discovery grant two years ago, uh, not in clinical research, but actually in research in my laboratory. For the last five years or so, we've done research with a, a wonderful nanotechnology program here at Northwestern, uh, and one of the lead faculty members who had developed an interesting nanotherapy approach in which he coupled um, small pieces of genetic material, RNA or DNA, and arrayed them in a spherical configuration around, at that time, a central nanoparticle. And what we were able to show with early studies 
is that we could actually put that into uh, a commercially available ointment, put it on the skin of human models or mice, and actually cause it to penetrate through our otherwise impenetrable epidermal skin barrier. And that suggested that we might be able to suppress genes in skin with a topical approach. Now, we just talked a bit about biologics, and we talked about how biologics have revolutionized the care of moderate to severe psoriasis. But we know well that most individuals who have psoriasis have mild to moderate involvement and are still using primarily topical steroids, which have been around for 50 years, to treat the psoriasis. And that raised the question for us, can we somehow create a topical formulation that can be delivered to skin at localized plaques in mild to moderate disease and basically replicate this more targeted approach that the biologics have achieved with those who have more severe disease. So in an initial study that was recently published just in 2017 in the Journal of Investigative Dermatology, we were able to take these um, these nano particles, which are called spherical nucleic acids, uh, and in a mouse model and in a human model of psoriasis, couple these with um, nucleic acids targeting tumor necrosis factor, just like in etanercept, just like in adalimumab, uh, just like in uh, sertilizumab, and apply these to the skin and show that they markedly improved the psoriasis that would otherwise be generated either through the cytokines in the human models or through uh, something called a miquimod, which generates a psoriasis-like mouse picture. We then moved on to what we were funded by uh, the National Psoriasis Foundation to achieve, and that is to ask the same question, blocking even more targeted pathway just like what secukinumab and ixekizumab and bradaliumab now do. And indeed, we established spherical nucleic acids now targeting the interleukin-17 receptor. And I will tell you, the paper is almost finished being written, and it proved to be very successful as well in this mouse model and in this human model. And we're grateful to the NPF for providing the funding for that. We've now moved on to start looking at bispecifics that put both of these uh, targets together into one spherical nucleic acid, and we're excited about the future. The TNF one has gone in with a lipo, um, with a liposomal configuration, very natural, uh, into uh, phase one human trials in Europe for psoriasis. And I understand that the interleukin-17 receptor, um, SNA also, uh, is in the middle of these uh, phase one trials in Europe as well for psoriasis. So we think this might be an interesting new approach, and we're hoping that it works. Wow, that gives me goosebumps. I know a lot of patients will be really excited to hear about that. So, well, in closing, what do you feel will be the next biggest breakthrough for treating youth with psoriatic disease? Well, unfortunately, youths always follow adults. So, so the next big breakthrough is going to be the availability of more and more biologic agents that are now commercially available and out there for adults, but really have not yet been uh, formally tested or completed in their testing and commercially available for children. I do hope that there are more agents around in the near future that give variety. For example, 
more oral agents that may be developed that will target these pathways, and, and they certainly are being looked at. Uh, we talked a minute ago about nanoparticle approaches, and I think this is uh, also the wave of the future. What I hope is that we can keep having topicals that are more targeted, and if I may say so, not in greasy bases, but are in cosmetically elegant bases that don't feel greasy on the skin and don't provide another way that someone looks different. That's my hope for the future. I think a lot of people would agree with you. Well, thank you so much for taking time to be with us on Soundbites today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Soundbites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Soundbites on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, visit psoriasis.org or contact our Patient Navigation Center at 1-800-723-9166 or email education at psoriasis.org.